Oddball is made possible by supporters of WJCT Public Media, with additional support from Bold Bean Coffee Roasters. While this podcast might be a mystery, Bold Bean's coffee isn't. Ethically sourced bags of beans are roasted to highlight their origin, characteristics, and natural sweetness. So when you order that latte, you're supporting transparency and quality at every step of the coffee chain. Bold Bean, sourcing, roasting, brewing, and serving outstanding coffee. The year is 1974. Cadillac leads with the greatest choice in the luxury field. This one is the leader. Only it's one. a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Throughout the long and difficult period of Watergate, I have felt it was my duty to persevere. And in Jacksonville, Florida, a family finds this weird silver-colored ball near their house. The Betts family found the ball in a wooded area north of Heckshire Drive two weeks ago and have been trying to figure out what it is ever since. Navy ordinance experts picked up the ball this morning, but not before signing a receipt. In fact, Mrs. Betts is so concerned she's considering insuring the ball with Lloyd's of London. What? That one doesn't ring a bell. From WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville, this is Oddball. A story about a UFO investigation, a mansion in the woods, and how one shiny object silenced a family. I'm Lindsay Kilbride. In the middle of April 1974, headlines started popping up in newspapers all over the country about this heavy silver sphere a Jacksonville man found in the woods. It was about the size of a bowling ball and would roll around seemingly with a mind of its own. Today, there's still no consensus as to what the ball was, where it came from, or even who has it today. And it's not easy to get some of those answers because the family has been mostly silent over the last few decades. So why was it never ID'd? And where did it come from? Can we put this mystery to rest? I'm going to try. These are just some photographs. This is a photograph of the ball itself, the Mets sphere. I think that's... I start off talking to Ron Kivett, who photographed the ball shortly after it was found. So he's pulling out lots of pictures of the ball from this manila folder he brought. And this is you with it? Yes. Ron used to have some very on-trend long sideburns, but most of these photos are close-ups of the sphere. It's a metal ball covered in scratches, a little smaller than a standard bowling ball by about a half inch. He has the ball set up on this mini pedestal against a backdrop of what looks like red velvet. Where did you um, set this up? Uh, at their house. Okay. At that property. In 74, Ron was hosting a local radio show. Which was called Tales of Strange Things. And we talked about UFOs. We talked about ghosts and flying saucers and all kinds of things like that. And periodically, some of my listeners would call in and say, Oh, Ron, have you seen this or have you heard about this? 
and uh, they'd give me a tip on something, and I'd go out and investigate it. One of my listeners uh, called up um, and said, Ron, have you heard about this thing that they found? And he was kind of saying, you know, it's this big ball of some kind. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'll check it out. A lot was reported about this sphere in a really short amount of time. I'm not sure if the family reached out to reporters first, but somehow word got out there's a weird ball in town. The local newspaper, the Florida Times Union, has a folder full of articles about this ball, like a really thick folder. The earliest story I could find in their archive is dated April 11th, headlined, Bizarre Sphere is Castle's Latest Mystery Happening. Castle, because the family that found the sphere, lived in a really big house. The photo accompanying the story is of 12-year-old Wayne Betts, one of the family members. He's cupping his hand around the side of the sphere, kind of like it's a crystal ball or something. This is what's in those first reports, what Ron knew before checking it out. Terry Matthews is credited with finding the ball. He was a 21-year-old pre-med student with shoulder-length dark hair and a mustache curling down the sides of his lips. Depending on the article, it was late March or early April when he went on a walk and found the sphere lying on the ground in the woods on his family's property in the Fort George Island area of Jacksonville, a place surrounded by the St. John's River, some creeks, and a lazy beach nearby. A pretty isolated area today, even more so back then. His family owned lots of land around there. So Terry brought it inside and didn't think much of it. Then, some days after, there appeared to be more to the sphere. Terry's mom, Jerry Betts, ends up being the family's spokesperson in all this, being the person who reporters interview. She's the matriarch of the Betts family, six kids and her husband, Antoine, a marine engineer. Jerry tells reporters the ball started vibrating some days after her son brought it inside. And when the ball was placed on a table, it would roll around the edges and wind up in the middle. If it was rolling in a straight line, it would suddenly veer. If someone rolled the ball, it would stop and return toward the person only to stop a short distance from them and vibrate. Once while a television crew was at the house, Jerry said the family's toy poodle was placed next to the ball to indicate its size, and the dog started whimpering and covering her ears with her paws. Then somehow the Navy became interested in the ball and decided to examine it. If you're not familiar with Jacksonville, it's a pretty big military town. But this seems like a really big deal, that the military would be concerned with the ball, which is one reason I'm so interested in this story. I don't know how it got on the Navy's radar. My best guess is all these news reports. Then the same month, several UFO investigators got their hands on the ball, too. Still, no one was able to ID it, other than saying maybe it was a piece of industrial machinery. At least 26 unique stories about the ball were published across the country between April 1974 and October 1975. So it's not surprising Ron, that radio host, also wanted a look. Yeah. Okay. And here are some other photographs of it. And those are some photographs of UFOs I took out over the beach, Fernandina. If that was difficult to understand, he also brought along photos of some orbs in the sky. Okay, so Ron is really into this stuff. UFOs, fantasy, sci-fi. He wrote two science fiction books, The Warrior King being his latest. And he even co-wrote the 1971 movie Zat. One of the most incredible stories of modern time. Zat. Invasion of the walking catfish. 
Zat was filmed partly in Green Cove Springs, Florida. The trailer is on YouTube and it's pretty amazing. An entire town goes berserk in a rampage of death and violence. Anyway, after Ron caught word of the ball from one of his callers, he contacted Jerry about wanting to take pictures of it. And she said, all right, come over. The ball was sitting on a glass top table uh, and with no edge on it. Mm-hmm. You know, the glass just was a sheer cut piece of glass. And uh, I was really surprised, like I said, to see as many scratches on it. I was expecting this pristine looking, you know, thing like you see in the science fiction movies. But it looked like it was well used. And so we talked about it and, and you know, how they found it, what, you know, all of those things. And I said, well, you know, I'd like to get some pictures of it. And uh, I said, well, you know, let's go outside where we got plenty of good sunlight and uh, we'll find a place out there. So we all got up and started to go outside, and I was the last one out. And as I was going out, the ball rolled from the center of the table all the way to the edge and stopped. And was that the first time you had seen it do anything? I hadn't seen it do anything. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like, hey, don't forget me. <laughs> you know? So... Uh, we picked it up, took it outside with us. You know, I, I'd heard about it moving. You know, they told me that it had moved across the carpet and things like that. But to think that it actually did that all by itself and the fact that it didn't roll off of the edge of the table. You know, if somebody would have pushed it or nudged it or something like that, uh, it would have gone all the way off. So when you held the ball... What were some characteristics that you personally experienced? Well, first of all, the ball was heavy. And when you when you held it, if you tilted it just a little bit one way or the you could hear a very slight tinkle coming from inside the ball. If you've ever picked up any broken glass, like you break a glass in the mm-hmm. kitchen and you... You're picking up the pieces and you're throwing them back into the sink or something. You hear that little tinkle mm-hmm. that glass makes. Okay. That's what it sounded like. It sounded like this little tinkling sound was coming from inside the ball. Did it feel like anything was moving in there? I did not feel any movement. That's Jerry. After the news broke, the Betts' household phone was ringing at all hours. And a few of those calls were from Ron, the guy who took those pictures. I guess this is what phones used to sound like. Hello? Hello, Miss Betts? Yes. This is Ron Kivett from WIVY. Yes, sir, Mr. Kivett. Before Ron met with Jerry at her house, he interviewed her over the phone twice. Even with some serious restoration, these interviews are pretty hard to understand. She tells Ron the ball is like a gyroscope, which is also what she tells news reporters. And my best description of a gyroscope is a spinning object that can appear to defy gravity and moves in interesting ways. 
Anyway, she says, if you shake the ball vigorously and put it down, there's motion inside. And it sounds like when a defunct light bulb is shaken. She was with her son Terry in the woods when he found the ball, and she doesn't remember if there was any marking or indentation on the ground beneath it because it was cold out and it started raining. They wanted to get back home. She said the ball's vibrating and quivering started after about two weeks when Terry was tuning his guitar. She tells Ron she's in the process of getting the ball insured. Uh, does the ball have any scratches on it or deep indentations anywhere? She said the scratches on the outside of the ball look like starbursts under a magnifying glass. There's also a little triangular-shaped chip out of the side of it. And the ball is magnetic. Do you have a personal hypothesis of what the ball is? Over the years, there have been other things that have come from UFO investigations that indicate that the alien people have a way of making these autonomous devices that can go out and gather information and then return and deposit that information somewhere else. And I believe that the the ball was one of those kinds of devices. Some people would think... Well, you've been into this since you were a kid. You've written scripts. Like, you love this stuff. Does that influence sort of, you know... This is me nervously asking Ron if his interest in UFOs and sci-fi means he's biased toward believing the sphere is a UFO. You're sort of... um, Bent toward that? Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with their argument. Um, I don't agree that it's true. But I agree with the argument. You could see where they were coming from. What would your response be to? You weren't there. That's the biggest thing I can say. You weren't there. Mm -hmm. You didn't talk to these people. You can sit back in your, you know, overstuffed chair and surmise all you want to. But have you ever seen one? I want to point out here, he's not saying the Betzes believed the ball was extraterrestrial. But he said his attitude on all of this goes back to when he was a kid living in rural Indiana. And you'd be in the feed store and you'd hear the, the farmers talking about, well, did you hear what happened last night? You know, Did you see these things that were in the sky Wednesday night? You know, and stuff like this. And I knew most of those people. And they weren't the kind of people who were going to make up stories. They wanted to know what the hell was going on. Ron believes he's pretty good at detecting BS because of the type of radio show he had. He said people would call in with made-up stories, and he could tell. But he didn't get that vibe from Jerry Betts or her family when they told him about the seer's strange behavior. I never got the feeling that they were uh, being untruthful or that they were trying to pull my leg uh, or anything like that. I never got the feeling that they weren't telling me the honest truth. Hello, Melissa. Hi. Hey. So uh, I started working on this podcast a couple summers ago. My coworker at WGCT, Melissa Ross, host of First Coast Connect, told me about the sphere. I was watching a show called Ancient Aliens one night with Are my kids. Are you a big Ancient Aliens watcher? I have watched it with my kids. Mainly, they like to watch it to make fun of it. <laughs> and I find that really entertaining. And all of a sudden, they started talking about this weird UFO case in Jacksonville, Florida, that involved this 
big silver sphere. And I hadn't ever heard about it, which I thought was strange because I thought I knew all of the kinds of stories, odd stories about Jacksonville, having lived here a while now, but I'd never heard of this. Having lived in the area my whole life, I hadn't heard of it either. And neither had pretty much anyone else I asked. But some people do remember the stir it caused back then. A photojournalist at the Florida Times Union newspaper, Lou Egner, was assigned the story. He since passed away, but I got in touch with his daughter, Susan. Even as a teenager, I would not have missed dinner because he always had something to say, if, if not to bring home somebody to join us for dinner, quite often a celebrity. So it was really an interesting life as a, a kid of a photojournalist. What kind of celebrities? He brought Bob Hope home and Johnny Carson and Lee Trevino and uh, a lot. <laughs> what? Really? At that time, he was the head of the photography department, so he was in charge of celebrities. And my dad felt that anybody would want to come home and eat my mother's cooking. Susan's dad is actually quoted in a few articles about the sphere as being a witness to its strange behavior. I must have been home visiting. And that's how I must have heard about it is when I was home. And probably my sister was there at the same time because she still lived in Jacksonville. And we do remember hearing about how it moved in different directions and then came back. We do remember that. And do you you remember your dad saying that he personally witnessed it? Yes. In a Palm Beach Post story headlined, Mystery Sphere, A Bug from Outer Space, It said, Lou Egner showed up to the family's home on assignment, skeptical. I'm leery of this kind of thing, he's quoted saying. When I got there, Mrs. Betts said, you won't believe this if you don't see it. She told me to put it on the floor and give it a push. It rolled a ways and stopped. So what? She said, just wait a minute. It turned around and rolled to the left about eight feet, made a big arc and came right back to my feet. In a Florida Times Union article, Lou describes the ball as the darndest thing I ever saw. It seems to have a life of its own. The next day, the paper published another story, headlined Odd Ball Remains Mystery, where it claims its photographer, Lou Egner, watched the ball go through a series of weird wanderings, seeming to move on its own and also halting and vibrating. Do these all sound like things he said about it? Yep, and where he said it's the darndest thing I ever saw, that sounds like him. Him saying he was leery, that's an odd word that I guess he might have used if he was being quoted there. But when he said it's the darndest thing I ever saw, that sounds exactly like my dad. And you said he's curious, but, you know, is it he, is he the kind of person who would just sort of buy into the fun of this? Or do you think he really felt like, wow, this is very weird? Well, that's kind of a tricky question because my dad was really full of He was sort of mischievous, and he loved things that were intriguing. So I'm sure that he would be totally intrigued by something like this. And so did you believe him, that he saw it do these things? Oh, yeah. Why wouldn't I? He wouldn't fabricate a story because he has too many real stories that he can tell. So I don't think he would fabricate something. He obviously witnessed it. After the break, one of the Betts family members sends me an email. 
This podcast is made possible by supporters of WJCT Public Media, with additional support from Bold Bean Coffee Roasters. Eight years ago, Erin Lee saw a new coffee shop was opening up in Jacksonville, and she applied. I just have always gravitated towards people. Getting to be the start of someone's day has always been fulfilling for me. For people to have a good cup of coffee and a good experience first thing in the morning, I think that there's a lot of value in that. As Bold Bean expanded from a father and son roasting small batches of coffee in the garage to multiple cafes and 140 wholesale partnerships, Erin grew with the company too. Now she's working wholesale after completing a coffee residency program in Columbia. There's not a lot of people in specialty coffee or in the coffee industry in general who get to actually like put their hands on a plant or even see a coffee plant. Bold Bean's latest special coffee blend is called Oddball. Taste it for yourself by giving $50 to support the podcast. For $50, you get the coffee, an Oddball Bold Bean mug, tote bag, and all five Oddball episodes right now. That's right. You can binge them all today. Sign up now at oddballpodcast.com. Oddball is a production of WJCT in Jacksonville, Florida. And we're also behind the online magazine Adapt. At adaptflorida.org, you'll find stories about how the northeast part of Florida is dealing with rising seas and other effects of climate change. I'm Adapt reporter Brendan Rivers, inviting you to check it out when you're done listening to Oddball. Again, that's adaptflorida.org. When I started reporting this story, my first thought was to Google Jerry's name and call her up. But I found out pretty quick that's not so easy because the family doesn't like talking about the ball and all the stress and chaos it caused in their lives. I reached out to one of Jerry's adult grandkids. I'm just going to pull up the email. The email said that throughout their life, Jerry's side of the family, they would joke about aliens and a space ball. But then... The kids just thought, okay, maybe this is an extremely specific inside joke. So that was just accepted? That's podcasting intern Al Pete, who is helping me produce this. I mean, kind of. Um, when the family was asked about it, they'd laugh. They'd say, oh, it's nothing. But a few years ago, this person's sister did some researching online and found all of these articles about the sphere. Really? Yeah. So the sister was in her early 30s and this other sibling, mid-20s. And how did that go? <laughs> The family member was dumbfounded, really shocked, and they did ask their parents about it. One of the aunts was the only person who would sort of get into this, but then she didn't give, I guess, much detailed information about it. So they ended the email saying, A, my family frowns upon lying. I'm a very skeptical person, but I also know they couldn't make it up. And B, that it's just really difficult to ascertain what happened because no one is willing to discuss what happened, not even if your family. So then they just wished me luck with the podcast. I followed up asking, would you be willing to do an interview and come in? So are they going to do the interview? I got a yes response, but then I was pretty much ghosted. This didn't totally surprise me. Because even though Jerry is quoted in dozens of articles, all those interviews stopped after about a year, and the rest of the family followed suit. Even the Ancient Aliens episode on the History Channel lacked input from Terry, who found the sphere, or his mom, Jerry. They instead interviewed a family friend, Dick Burnett. Oh, keep going this way. It's going to be on the right side, I bet. 
I went to Dick's Jacksonville home back in 2017 when I was working on the story on my own time with my friend Naya. So you're going to hear him talking. So second two story, I think, on the right or something. Oh, these houses. This is awesome. Also, Dick's living room literally looks like a museum, complete with glass cases of artifacts and antlers on the wall and so many fossils. He became extinct 15,000 years ago. That's called an Irish elk. An Irish an elk. Irish he, had elk. The, he had the largest antlers of any animal that ever lived which are on the wall, Dick fell into sculpting missing pieces of fossilized skeletons and has naturally wound up with his own collection. We, we reconstructed two sets of antlers, one for the Smithsonian, and he doesn't you pay me. You reconstructed antlers for the Smithsonian? Yeah. This is a mastodon that we put together for the University of Florida. He's in the newspaper there. This is the largest jaw. We build the jaws for these megalodon teeth. This part of the tour goes on for about 18 minutes. Woolly mammoth tooth down there. But eventually we get to why we paid the visit. All right, I'm going to <laughs> tell you what I know, which is not a whole lot. Uh, the uh, History Channel called me and asked me if they, they could interview me about the, uh, the metallic ball, the Betts ball. And I, I, uh, I said, no, I won't do it, uh, but I'll call Jerry Betts and see if what she says about it. You know, she wants, you know, and of course, Jerry, I called her. She's a friend. Haven't seen her in a while, but we talk. And uh, <laughs> she says, uh, Dick, she says, uh, I don't want to talk to anybody anymore about it. He, she says, but I would like for you to do the interview. Back in April 1974, Dick says Jerry Betts invited him, his wife Joan, and their three kids to come over to their castle mansion house, check out this ball they'd found. We went out that day and uh, she brought the ball out. And it was a metallic silver ball, fairly heavy, about this big around, maybe a little larger than a bowling ball, maybe the same size, right in there somewhere. And uh, she put it on the floor, and, and we started talking. The kids were kind of playing with it. I walked outside with Jerry, and so the kids uh, told me later uh, that uh, Tommy Burnett, he said, Dad, when I walked it, it followed me. This is what he said. And uh, of course, this little kid this big is saying all this and everything. His son Tom was about 10 or 11 at the time. The Betts kids got a mayonnaise lit out, which would magnetically stick to some areas of the ball, but not others. Then he said a family member walked past the ball and it followed them. They took a few steps and it turned and rolled behind them to a stop. I called Jerry and said, before I did this interview, I asked her, I said, can you kind of go through it with a brief synopsis of, of everything that, you know, they're going to ask me? And uh, she bought some land. Dick rattles off a lot of what we already know. 
Terry initially brought the ball inside as a novelty item, just kind of a neat thing he found. He put it on his table next to his bed there, and he got up one day a few days later and was strumming his guitar. And uh, it started kind of humming at him, you know. And they said, well, that's the ball would vibrate. They felt like there was a hollow spot inside. Shortly after the ball's discovery, the Navy picked it up to investigate it. And again, I don't know exactly what the military was testing for. I've been unsuccessful in locating an official report. But one article said the ball piqued the Navy's interest. At the time, Jerry said she made sure to get a contract with the Navy. The deal was they had two weeks to investigate it. And if it can't be identified as government property, the Betts family gets it back. And she expected a comprehensive report. Here's what was in the news around that time. At Cecil Field, the Navy x-rayed the ball, but that didn't help. The machine that we had to use just wasn't powerful enough to penetrate the ball. You've been able to determine several factors about the ball. Uh, you, you found that it is magnetic. Yes, sir. Uh, it has a strong indication uh, that there is quite a lot of magnetism in it. What would this indicate? Well, it would indicate that the ball is some sort of steel. Do you have any theories as to what the ball might be? Not really. Uh, to me, it just appears to be a real well-balanced ball. The day that they brought it back... They being the Navy. He, it was a, an officer and an enlisted man or something like that, a couple of people, I believe. And while the man from the Navy was out there, he received a phone call where they wanted it back. This is, I'm telling you, this is what I heard, you know. So what he's saying is the Navy called the Betts house asking for the officer who was delivering the ball and told him not to return it to the Betts family. Jerry at the time, I believe, said, no, we'll keep it. Okay. Then uh, some people in down south Florida somewhere, some scientists or something, asked to look at it. Jerry sent Terry and Robin, her two sons, to fly down there with it, and they were going to fly back with it. Well, the people, this is, sent the two boys back and kept the ball. And uh, that, I don't think that was the way it was supposed to work, but they finally got the ball back. And, and, and there was a, a, a pretty well-known professor, he asked permission to come and see the ball and sleep with it. And so uh, he came down and slept with the ball. Just like know. next to him? <laughs> I wasn't there. I don't think they got married. <laughs> but, uh, okay. What? So... This is the first time I'm hearing about this professor and people from South Florida. I am just as confused as you are at this point. Dick was the very first person I interviewed. And this is the moment I'm starting to think, okay, this story is a lot more than just a weird ball. Anyway, back to Dick. They won't, they won't talk to anybody anymore about it. Do you remember what the, the vibe was like for the family, the friends around the time they discovered it the was, ball? Uh, it was uh, probably at that point a little exciting for him. 
And it went on so long. There was so much going on. The ball went back and forth. Uh, they, at the end, they weren't sure they, they got the right ball back even, you know, because people had it, you know, and everything. And so, uh, and, you know, the History Channel asked me where the ball is now. I says, I don't know. I said, you may not ever see it again. You know, I don't know. So, uh, have you ever asked Terry? Uh, that's what she told me. That's what she told me. That we may never know, or that she doesn't know. I don't question her too tightly on that. Oh. I don't know if she's just had the course. You know, she, you know, yeah. they, they after a while, people will say you're crazy or this or that, which she is not. She she was. Uh, excited to try to find out where it came from that's why she went to these different people to see if you know if, if there's a possibility that it came from somewhere else besides earth <clears throat> i think after a while a lot of people throw accusations it's not true it's not real uh probably it <laughs> i don't know for sure you know i can't say I, uh, I'm, I'm a friend of the whole Betts family, every single one of them, and there were several. And uh, I know they wouldn't turn around and lie or anything like that. Uh, but uh, I have to just tell you, I'm a realist, you know, and uh, I'm not going to make anything up that's not there. Even though Dick says the Navy tried to keep the Betts ball, that's not what was reported. This was. The Navy was able to take an x-ray with a more powerful machine, and according to lots of news reports, this is what it found. The ball was about 22 pounds and 8 inches in diameter. The Navy couldn't determine exactly where the ball came from, but concluded it was made out of common stainless steel 431 and definitely made on Earth. The tiny beads of material rolling around inside, probably from the manufacturing process. And though the Navy spokesman said there's certainly something odd about it and that it did move up the house, he also said, I believe it's because of the construction of the house. It's old and has uneven floors. He said the ball is so balanced it takes just an indentation to make it move or change direction. So that's the official explanation and pretty much the end of the story, right? Of course not. Her son and another family member drove it to this panel of scientists in New Orleans. I enjoyed my work on the panel. Uh, Professor Heineck returned yesterday from New Orleans after sharing observations with colleagues regarding the so-called mystery sphere. Do you consider this now extraterrestrial or Earth manufactured? Yes. Yeah, so are you are you insinuating, Lindsay, that my father was like <laughs> some kind of UFO kleptomaniac? It's such a nice boy. <laughs> Do you live out here? We're trying to find. Um, this mansion that's back here somewhere, the Neff House, you don't know. Uh. This is Oddball, a production made possible by supporters of WJCT Public Media, with additional support from Bold Bean Coffee Roasters. 
If you want to keep listening to this series, you can binge all the episodes right now for $20. That's right. You don't have to wait until next week or the week after. Finish the series this week. Go to oddballpodcast.com and pick up a bag of Oddball Bold Bean Coffee while you're at it. Oddball is produced by me, Lindsay Kilbride, with editing by Jessica Palumbo. The podcast's music is by Matthew Wardell and Al Pete, intern for this show. And thanks to Andrew Gustafson, who restored some of the archival audio, and Ron Kivett, who provided it.